welcome to this, the ninth episode of the One Foot Down podcast. I am Joe Schuler, and joining me tonight uh, to discuss uh, all things Notre Dame football is our head writer, Mr. Eric Murtaugh. Her- Eric, how are you today? I'm hanging in there, Joe. Uh, trying to find the bright side of the rainbow uh, on a pretty poor game on Saturday, but uh, I'm doing all right. Wait, are you telling me we won on Saturday? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We got the victory. Okay, there so. you go. There are no, you know, there's a there's an old bit of wisdom in golf that there are no pictures on the scorecard, and uh, let's hope there are no pictures on the uh, win-loss record on that one. So, so the Irish escape West Lafayette with the win, Eric. Um, you watched the game, obviously. What what was with that first half? What did you see in the first half that um, that led you to to react that way about this particular game? Well, you know, I've seen a lot of people throwing out some different ideas out there, a lot of stuff talking about, you know, maybe a letdown after Michigan, which I think has some validity to it. Um, maybe a lack of leadership, especially in defense at this point. Um, if I was just going to, to stick to some of the things that I saw um, on offense in particularly, um, and I think a lot of people are talking about this, which you know is uh, it was really apparent during the first half, was uh, Purdue being able to jump plays. Uh, we saw that a lot in the short passing game. They were sniffing out screens, um, but also in the running game, we saw Purdue linebackers basically knowing exactly where Irish running backs were going, and I think that was a huge issue um, in, in the first half. Um, I even think we saw Zach Martin make a couple bad reads, um, which we almost never see. Another um, thing was Reese was a little bit inaccurate to start out, and a couple of drops I think were really killer, especially one to Troy Nicholas on a key third down early in the second quarter as the Irish were driving. Um, the third thing I would I point out, I, and I already mentioned it, was just poor O-line run blocking. Um, they've been pretty stellar in pass blocking the entire season. In fact, I was just writing before we jumped on air here that I think if we had a, a mobile quarterback, if Golson was there, I'm not sure this offensive line would have had, would have surrendered a sack yet this season. Um, they only gave up one in this game, but uh, I, their, their passing blocking has been pretty great. And uh, the run blocking was was pretty dreadful in that first half. And the last one, which is probably what everyone probably would want to talk about the most, was uh, predictable play calling. Um, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand with Purdue being able to jump some of these plays um, and basically knowing what Notre Dame was doing based on formation. So you put that all together, and it was a pretty uh, pretty poor first half for the Irish in offense. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um... The other thing that we've heard a lot of people talk about, Eric, is the um, is the is the downfield passing and the willingness to open up and stretch the field vertically. Um, did you did you see that as being one of the key differences between the first and the second halves? I mean, that really for the offense, at least we were looking at a tale of two halves. There was that really the key difference, or were there other more subtle things that you saw uh, as you watched that game unfold? You know, it was tough for me to tell. I thought. They cleaned some of the stuff up with the formations and motioning a running back out, back into the backfield and always running to the one side of the field. Um, I think that helped a little bit, not a whole lot, which kind of bothers me with the, the run blocking. Um, I, th- I believe there was a fairly decent deep ball to Chris Brown that was in the first half, so 
it's not like they were not trying at all. Um, but uh, I think it's just something where they need to start doing it on a more regular basis. Take a shot on first down once in a while, and you saw that big pass play to Devaris Daniels that was on first down. Yeah. Completely, you know, the, the Purdue cornerback, you could see, wasn't ready at all for Daniels to keep running deep downfield and for the ball to come to him. So um, I'm not sure if that was the big difference in the second half because they didn't really throw maybe more than two deep balls. But uh, I think that's something moving forward that has to be a necessary, um, you know, part of the playbook. And with that throw that Reese made to Daniels, I mean, it, it looks like he can make the throw downfield. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, certainly seeing guys who can make plays with the ball in the air in the way that Daniels did and, and, and Brown did uh, certainly gives you confidence that we can start to do that, particularly against a team where Coach Kelly observed in his you know post-game press conference just how downhill and how many kind of bare and zero looks you were seeing from Purdue on first down, these huge stacked fronts and selling out for the run on first down, seeing... Um, Seeing some willingness to take advantage of one-on-one -on -one matchups with our outside athletes, I think, is really encouraging, and hopefully, we'll see more of that as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, everyone was complaining about the lack of running on first down last week, and you know, Purdue stacked the box. We ran a first down, I believe, on all all of the drives in the first half, and it totaled two yards, I believe, on five carries. So, you know, you can't really let defenses uh, stack the box like that and not make them pay over the top. Agreed. But um, on top of that, though, so we've talked a lot about the offense here in our first couple of minutes, but I, I don't think um, we should maybe let the defense off the hook quite so quickly. I mean, they gave up uh, a lot of points to a Purdue team that was you know, considered to be less than potent coming into the game. Eric, what did you see on defense both in the first half and the second half, and, and, and where, do you, where do you see us uh, with the defense right now? Well, when looking at the defense, um, this was not supposed to be a very good Purdue offense, and I think that's important to remember. Um, you know, in a lot of the game recaps, I'm I'm looking at a lot of stats, so um, you know, just looking at the numbers, this wasn't an awful effort by the defense. I thought they played a lot better uh, in the second half, and especially after that first drive. Um, and I think I wrote it in my recap. We tend to see the first couple drives on offense and defense, and we can't really shake those out of our mind and I think this is one of those games where the offense looked bad, the defense looked bad on the first drive and it's hard to you know, get that out of our heads. Um, I thought you know, obviously poor tackling was a, was a big problem in the game. Um, I'm not sure how to take that because the defense has tackled so well over the past three years and um, I don't know if it's a couple players. I would probably point the finger at a couple players in the secondary right now who are not tackling the way they should be. The other issue, I think, is the defensive line and some of our blitzes. We can't finish um, when we're getting in the quarterback's face or he's running away. And uh, the two other issues, I think, are we're just a little bit too slow, a little bit too heavy, and uh, and that just makes the middle of the field too easy to, uh, to attack for other offenses. So... I mean, you add all that together, and you're not going to play very well, uh, even against a poor Purdue team. So, um, just looking, you know, at the biggest problem that I see right now, it's that mi that middle portion of the field. Um, you look at where Purdue completed 
their passes to, and they had um, Akeem Hunt, the running back, led the team with nine receptions, and then the second leader was their tight end, Justin Sins, with six uh, receptions. You know, that's 15 of their 25 completions are to the running back and tight end, largely taking advantage of Notre Dame's linebackers and the play on the edge. So I think that's yeah, we, a big problem. We saw that with Temple as well, with a lot of their completions coming between the numbers, between the hash marks as well. So um, completely agree there that, that that's something that's got to be examined. And So let's take a look at it, Eric. So we've talked about the offense. We've talked about the defense. We've seen a number of you know pretty observable uh, gaps, at least between maybe some of the preseason expectations for this team. What do you think is more fixable, Eric? You know, is it the offense right now? Is it the defense? What you know, if you're if you're the head coach, if you're Coach Kelly, where are you looking first um, to get things back on track? Well, I definitely think it's the defense right now, um, and it kind of feels weird saying it because we all thought that the defense was going to be the strong suit this year. You know, um, we were a little bit more worried about the offense heading into the season. Um, a lot of people thought we could play the same way on offense last year and maybe win 10 or 11 games, and after three games it's not looking that that's going to be the case. Um, I think the the problems are much more fixable on offense. Um, I think the run game can improve. I don't know if it's going to improve to the point where it's going to be a huge part of the offense, where it's going to be a, a major productive part of the offense, but I think just looking at the, t- the talent at running back, the options there, Thing that works out. I think at some point that situation is going to sort sort itself out, and the running game is going to improve. Um, I also think that the coaching staff can improve the game planning and the play calling. And overall, I think the talent on offense is just right now a whole lot better than it is on defense. Um, you know, we still have Zach Martin and Chris Watt, and I think the offensive line has been playing fairly well. Although the run blocking wasn't that great against Purdue. But they are pass blocking really well, and I think that's a um, important thing to remember. Um, you know, Tavares Daniels, he's looking great. T.J. Jones looking great. Um, tight end is looking oh solid. So, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of things going pretty well on offense. I know some people would disagree with that, but uh, with the way Tommy Reese is playing right now, I think you know some of these problems are are much more fixable on offense. On defense. Well, let's let's before we jump ahead, let, let me stop sure. you because I want to I want to dive into two things with you here and get get your thoughts. So the first one's the running back issue you brought up. Um, I, I think you know issue is, is an interesting way of putting it because uh, you know there are clearly multiple guys on the roster capable of playing really good football. Um, from the three games of evidence you have so far, Eric, how are you stack ranking those guys? If you're if you're looking to kind of dole out carries, what, what's your mix right now? Is it purely situational, or do you think there are some guys that are, are floating above others at this point? Well, if it was up to me, I think I would desperately try to get the freshmen involved. Um, but if I'm looking at it through the lens of the coaching staff, I still think Amir Carlisle is the number one back. Um, just because he played so much against Purdue, I think that's a pretty telling sign that the coaches like his vers- versatility and his playmaking ability. On the other hand, I was pretty disappointed with the way he played. Um, you know, he's he's a smaller back, and I, I just haven't really seen a whole lot of shake and bake, uh, making guys miss. Um, the blocking was bad, and he just doesn't seem to have the vision that I thought someone of his size and, and his speed and agility would have. 
Um, but I still think he's the number one guy. Um, you know, I I would I would think that George Atkinson is still situational. I think he's always going to get four or five carries in a game as long as he's not turning the ball over. So you know, we're not running the ball forty times a game. You know, five carries is is, is quite a bit in the offense. Um, it's tough to not say that Cam McDaniel should be starting, but you know, until he does start, I just I just can't see the coaching staff. You know putting the ball in his hands 15 times a game. and But, um, you know, if it's up to me, I would get the freshman involved. But I still think it's Carlisle and then Atkinson and McDaniel with all the options. See, it's interesting you look at it that way because there's the old adage, right? It's not necessarily who starts the game. It's who finishes the game. Right. And uh, when we went into the four-minute, you know, Kelly said we went into the four-minute. Thankfully, we went into it for a full seven minutes. Um, it, you saw, you know, McDaniel was really his guy. Um when they needed to evaporate that clock at the end of the game, so it'll be it'll be interesting to continue to observe the mix. I, you know, I, th- I think you've nailed it. Um, you know, I think going back on some of the Kelly press conferences and thinking about him saying, well, you know, freshman running back really take running backs take till about week six to be, you know, kind of productive contributors. Well, I think we're all counting down, you know, another two or three weeks to get to see uh, yeah. what the young fellas can do. Um, but I want to hit one more issue while we're still on the offense, and then I'm going to switch you over to defense. Um, is the quarterback himself, Tommy Reese. Has there ever been a guy who goes out and plays the second half, goes 13 for 17 with 215 and two touchdowns, and catches as much fan flack as Tommy Reese? Uh, you know, it, and, and for myself included, I, I, am, I am quick to ex- explode in the world of Tommy, so, so I'll, I'll admit to being on that. What do you think people see both on the positive and negative with Tommy Reese that causes just so much angst and, and discussion around them. Anyone who watches uh, Kelly's press conference saw it, right? There was a very contentious moment in the early part of the con- uh, conference where, where Kelly says, you know, he doesn't really care what anybody thinks about Reese. You know, he says to, says to them they can have their own opinions. Uh, he goes on to talk about him being a college kid with pimples, but uh, at the end of the day, Kelly really, really likes this guy, and uh, and there's a lot of coaching staff love for him, but it doesn't seem to be met by, by fan base love. You know, how, how do you take Tommy's play three games in so far, Eric, and, and what, do you th- what do you see from him so far? Yeah, I don't know where the, ne- the negative negativity is coming from. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot on our site. Um, and in other places where I've looked online, I just don't see a whole lot after this game. I do think with the way the team started, you know, that was largely on Reese early, a couple uh plays that could have been intercepted, almost a, an easy pick six that he almost threw. Um, he, a couple of passes he was in, inaccurate on. Um, but overall, I mean, three straight 300-yard games. He's on pace to break, I think, the school record in passing yards. I mean, I'm sure we're probably passing the ball a little bit too much and we'd like to see the running game balance things out. But he's only has two turnovers and, you know, on pace for almost 4,000 yards passing. i really can't find a whole lot to complain about. And specifically in this game, you know, coming back in the second half, looking sharp, I mean, he was arguably one of the best players on offense, so I don't really know where the negativity is coming from. I do think, I will say, I think, you know, his lack of mobility is still a big issue, but, um, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. I don't think it's really his fault, so... It can't uh, can't suddenly will him to to run yeah. a four four right so uh, and he had uh, one of the most awkward uh, third down <laughs> conversions in 
the history and, of football. So and, and an absolutely fantastic spot by that ACC. Oh, yeah, way, way to go, fellas. And 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 to be mentioned, just to you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about positives to take away from this win next. And one of them was that the Big Ten booth got the calls right when we needed to them, which is is not always been the case. So so thank you to those in the Big Ten manning the booth the last two weeks. Yeah, I was gonna say this is probably one of the more uh, better officiated games that I've seen in a while. So. Well, it certainly was better than the end of that Wisconsin-Arizona State game, right? Oh, God. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> All right, but let, let's stick with the Irish here, Eric. So we sit here three weeks into the season. We're 2-1. and one. Um, What do you take away from this weekend at West Lafayette? What, do you, what, do you, what are you pulling out? What are the positives you're pulling out of this game? Well, the positives, I think, would be that Reese is playing pretty well. Uh, we're seeing DeVaris Daniels breaking out and becoming a number one receiver. Um, I think in, in some respects he's been better than T.J. Jones so far this season, especially when you factor in he missed pretty much three-quarters of the Temple game. Um, I, I, I would like to point out that I think maybe T.J. Jones is a little more banged up than the, the coaching staff is letting on. Uh, it seemed like they were kind of starting the game last night uh, without him on the field a whole lot. And I completely they, agree with you there. They quickly decided that was a bad idea when they fell down uh, 10 nothing or whatever the score was. Um, you know, I'm still pretty pretty uh, happy with the run defense. Um, if, and if there's something with the defense that I think we can still hang our hat on and, and say, you know, the, the season might be okay if we can keep this up, it's that run defense. Um, you know, Purdue only gained 38 yards on 21 carries. And that's not even factoring in more than one sack. So um, the running backs only gained 30 yards on 15 carries. I mean, that's you can't ask for more than that right. for the run defense. That I was just writing in the recap. That would have been the second best run defense effort from 2012. So um, I don't think we can just you know forget that part of the defense on Saturday. Um, but uh, there's there's just other issues that I think lo- you know long term as the season goes on that most other offenses are going to be able to take advantage of. But, uh, you know, I would say the defense didn't play great. The defense didn't play good, but I know I'm setting a pretty low bar. It isn't like this defense played like Texas. So There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's, it, can always, it can always be worse. It can always be worse. Yeah. So here we are. We've taken some positives away. We've got a quarterback playing well. We've got some receivers that have really um, shown themselves to be fantastic. We've got some challenges on the defense. We, you know, kind of phase one of this schedule um, is starting to wrap up next week with Michigan State, and we're going into a pretty interesting four-game stretch here, Eric, where we're we're home, we're home, and then we're at a, a quote-unquote home when we go visit Jerry's World, and we're home again. So it's Michigan State, Oklahoma, Arizona State, USC. Uh, let me ask you first about what you, what you see, um, you know, in that. Uh, stretch in totality, and then I want to wrap up, Eric, thinking about Michigan State next Saturday. So, what do you, th- you know, what what are the key themes do you think going into this kind of next four game stretch? Well, after what we saw on Saturday, it's hard not to look at this four game stretch and say, you know, we're probably staring at two and two. Uh, if that were to happen, I think an eight and four season is probably likely. Um, I know for a lot of people that would seem pretty crazy and you'd want to rip your hair out with an 8-4 season coming off a, an appearance in the national championship game but um, you know I, I predicted a 9-3 season you know the defense isn't where we thought it would be you know 
we have to think it that's probably going to lead to an extra loss. Uh, this is a pretty tough four-game stretch. Um, although all these teams do have their own faults, and um, you know it's not like we're playing top ten teams here. I would probably argue that Oklahoma isn't a top ten team, although they could be um, by the time we play them. Uh, they have a bye this week, so um, I think they really have to shoot for a three and one record here. Um, I, I think before the season started, I always thought that the Arizona State game would be a loss. After watching them on Saturday night, uh, really late on Saturday night, I, I don't, I just don't see how we can stop their offense for four quarters. Um, they can run the ball a little bit too well. They can throw the ball a little bit too well, and uh, I just, I can see them putting up pretty good numbers on our offense, and they probably will have a, a decent enough defense to stop us. Um, so um, I'm not I'm not crazy worried about the game against Michigan State next week. Um, I think the, the Irish are still favored by a decent amount. I think that's pretty telling. But, um, you know, this is going to be a, a very key four-game stretch. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's very interesting to me, Eric, how many seasons in recent memory have really turned on the Michigan State game. Um, and and that's been a pivot point um, for the positive or the negative for a lot of Irish teams in the past. So I think there's going to be a lot of eyes. Um, very, very uh, hopeful that uh, we see a little more of a spark out of this gang on Saturday against the, against the Spartans. Um, what do you see specifically in the Spartans, Eric? What should we be looking for this week as we roll into um, into a game with our, one of our, our long-term and, and actual continuing rivals uh, in the Spartans? Well, you know, I said before, I, I feel pretty good about this game in the sense that I think it's very winnable still. Um, out of all the teams we've played so far, I think we match up really well with Michigan State. You know, we've been saying that for probably three or four years. And uh, I think it still holds true. I mean, look at some of the things they do on offense. I don't think their offensive line is very good. Um, and with the way Notre Dame's been defending the run, I think that's going to be a big win for the Irish. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with the quarterback situation. I haven't really looked into you know, exactly who played this past weekend against Youngstown State. I know they put up some big numbers and whatnot. I don't think that's all that... Uh, big of a worry for Notre Dame, but you know, we shut down their run. I think we're going to be in this game and there's always a chance to win. Um, obviously, their defense is pretty intimidating, but I will say this. Uh, we won in there last year. We ran the ball okay. I think we had a little bit over 100 yards. Some of that was on goals and rushing. Um, I think if we can get just competent running out of the, the Irish on Saturday, I think they can win this game. Um, you know, the passing game really wasn't there last year with Golson. They're really conservative. I think this is going to be a game where possibly Reese throws two picks, but in the end he can get it done through the air. I feel pretty confident with him. I know the Michigan State defense is pretty nasty, but uh, I just think this might be a game where uh, uh, the offense can come in and win the game. So. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think that we've got a, a, a very interesting and favorable matchup this week. It's really then a question of whether or not the momentum from that builds or whether or not these weaknesses we've been seeing in, in some of the first couple of weeks um, continue to 
bite this team or keep them moving forward. It was interesting to listen to Kelly talk about, you know, having good players and personnel, but still kind of working on trying to fit the pieces into where they go. So um, hopefully that's, you know, code for all the things we talked about, you know, fixability on the offense and defense coming into play. But, hey, the game's played on the field, not in the, the press conference, right? That's right. And, I, uh, you know, this is a big game. Um, you know, probably on the national scene, a lot of people won't be paying too much attention to this. But if Notre Dame were to lose and drop to 2-2 two and two with Oklahoma coming into, into town off a bye, uh, that's just not something you want to look at. And on the flip side, you know, you get to 3-1 and one and uh, gain some momentum, hopefully play well on defense and pick up a win. I, I think that's huge for Notre Dame moving forward. Absolutely. You know, I think the optimist in me and the Notre Dame fan in me doesn't want to think about the level of panic meter at, that would be hit at 2-2. Two and two. So hopefully we can we can get that rolling and, and go into the Oklahoma week with some momentum because you know that that's going to be a a fan base and a team that's going to be fired up to, yeah. to face the Irish. So uh, first things first, guys, it's a big game against Michigan State this week. There's going to be absolutely fantastic, as always, continuing coverage on the One Foot Down website. So come uh, subscribe there. Join us. Join the discussion there. And, of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, we certainly appreciate your feedback and uh, your subscription, so keep that coming in the discussion on the site. Eric, anything you want to wrap with tonight? You know, the only thing I would want to say is I hope they can get the some of the problems at middle linebacker and safety uh, worked out. Um, so I think that's where a lot of our focus will be uh, moving forward over the next couple weeks. Well, we'll look for our guys Lars and Berger, hopefully to break down some of that part of the Irish defense for us in, in upcoming weeks in the One Foot Down film room. So, again, once again, this is Joe Schuler, and uh, and I'm here tonight with Eric, and we are uh, wrapping up the ninth podcast. We hope you guys subscribe, and we look forward to uh, see, talking to you all after a victory against Michigan State this weekend. All right, so go Irish, and uh, good night. <laughs>